It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Greetings and welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. With me today, as always, the one, the only Josh Adkins. We are both on Twitter. I am at Nasty Newts. Josh is at Dynasty Oasis. Um, normally, I close the show by wishing someone a happy birthday. I just want to say I'm I'm just here today so I don't get fined. Happy birthday, Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I saw on Twitter the uh, the video of him driving the cart around when he was still at Cal. Uh, one of the best videos ever. Uh, yeah. Has there been birth- a funner player maybe in, like, the history of sports? <laughs> I fucking love Marshawn. Sorry. I, I love Marshawn. Yeah, there's, there's very few like him. I mean, Gronk, I know people kind of – you know, coin him as a meathead, and I I don't disagree, but he's he's quite the character and a lot of fun. I I loved Marshawn though, and in fact, uh, if you're ever looking to laugh and and check out a funny bit, Conan had a bit with Gronk and and Marshawn at the Super Bowl that year, uh, playing Mortal Kombat, uh, and it's it's to die for. So. Oh, that's got to be high comedy. Oh, it was it was one of the funniest. Go look it up, Conan. I think it's uh it's something uninformed gamer or something like that. It's a bit Conan does, and it was it was hilarious with with Marshawn nice. and Gronk. Uh, but on the on the show tonight, we got the uh, second half of the wide receivers, the 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 big uh, the heavy hitters, I guess. I'm I'm searching for words here. The heavy hitters in this wide receiver class. That uh, I'll be honest. Before we really get into any specific names, I know you started last week saying. Uh, we have 90% of the, the class, and I didn't really refute you, and I kind of agreed with you um, on that day. After watching these top 10 guys and getting a refresher four games in on each one of them, uh, it's every bit as good as last year's class if you're okay with smaller players. And, and I think in the way that both yeah. uh, me and you are, I'm willing to say it is 100% of where that class was as prospects. Now, Will we get the same level of immediate production? That's, you know, to be seen. Landing spot will play a factor in that. But in just terms of evaluating the the talent of the pool of players that we have, I like this class every bit as much. And I'm really excited to talk about these top 10 guys. Well, and I think you're right. The one thing that concerns me, or if I'm just comparing it to last year's class, the reason I would still give last year's a slight edge is, yes, um, you have to be okay with smaller receivers, which... Um, I am perfectly okay with that. I'm mm-hmm. just not so sure there's enough jobs for all these slot types that yeah. I love. There's like four or five, six guys that are kind of pigeonholed into that slot. So do they find, you know, do enough of them find early enough playing time? Uh, we'll see. We'll find out in a week. We're uh, T minus seven days away from the draft. So that's right. Um, Super Jack for that. Super Jack to talk about these guys. Uh, there were a few guys I, I wanted to bump up my list. It was just like, well, I, I kind of can't. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I was a little surprised. I shuffled my list around a little bit more than I, I expected to. Um, obviously, there was, there's been a lot that's gone into this. Initially, film built the list, and then you sort of start getting the, the numbers from the pro days, and then you start looking at uh, some of the analytical numbers, and the list keeps moving around. And then I did these final film looks, and um, I think I'm going to surprise you with a couple guys that I have uh, uh, higher than I sort of expected them to be coming into the day. Sweet. I'm looking forward to uh, to finding the surprise. I'm, uh, I might not be as surprising. There was some shuffling I wanted to do. I, I think I chickened out. So um, I'm <laughs> really anxious to hear your list. All right. Well, why don't we get into it then? Uh, we're going to count this down backwards from 10 to 1. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, I think as we sort of get more towards the top, I think there's um, a little bit more tier based uh, conversation that we can have in terms of um, kind of how you see the the talent drop off and and maybe even the NFL draft capital or NFL value drop off, um, you know, where you see that coming in. But let's just start in on the list. Who do you got? Number 10. I went with uh, Tylen Wallace, number 10 from Oklahoma State. He, to me, um, well, he played pretty much exclusively on the outside in college. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure if that's where he belongs in the NFL. I think maybe he'd be best used as more of a vertical slot. And uh, really, that's the best part of his game is his verticality. I just, uh, I didn't see the crispest route runner. And um, at six foot 194, he's kind of a tweener for me where, um, yeah, he's probably... um, be, he'd probably be fine on the outside, but 
I don't know, man. I just don't think his college usage will necessarily translate to the NFL. How about you? Yeah, no, I feel very, very similarly to you. This is a guy that's moved all over the place for me. Um, in fact, you know, I, I had a Ross St. Brown as, as the number 11 player on our list uh, the other day on Monday. Um, after doing the tape study on Wallace, I was I, I, at this point, they're in the same tier for me. Um, and I frankly, I think I like Amon Ra a little bit better. But what what you did mention is is his verticality. And, and I think what makes him special in that area is he's super competitive at the catch point. You you call them six foot five, eleven, three, eight. So he's actually a little shorter than that. Short arms, but just goes up and wins contested catches in a way that you, you don't really expect in terms of. Uh, the type of athlete or the type of sized player he is. The issue I see is exactly what you said. I think he belongs in the slot because I don't think he quite has um, NFL outside juice or size um, or really just that lateral quickness, that lateral agility. Um, And then the problem as I see it moving him inside is I saw very, um, the term I always use is linear route runner. Essentially, it means you're you're not doing a lot within the stem of the route. You're pretty much running to the top of the route and then making a hard cut as, as much as you can. Um, that is much more workable outside the numbers than it becomes inside the slot. Inside the slot, you really have to be, um, you know, using your feet in, you know, connection with how the defenders are reacting. And so I just don't know how that transition is going to work because I think you're right. I think optimally at the NFL for his athleticism and and sort of his size profile he fits better in the slot but that's not the type of route runner I saw and so right I, I'm very concerned with Tylen Wallace um that that said I mean super super productive in his time at Oklahoma State um, I'm not worried about the senior year thing obviously the torn ACL uh was that 2018 or 2019 that he tore the ACL I, I'm think it was 2019. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, obviously comes back, wants to show people he's healthy. He did that. I think that there's a lot to like here. I really, I don't want to feel like um, I'm bashing Tylen Wallace. But after I sort of shuffled the board around, I had him, you know, kind of moved back up again. Um, and just the tape didn't wow me in the ways that I sort of expected it to. So uh, he comes in number 10 at my list uh, as well. I know you, you had said that. So, um but I think, again, there's a lot of things to like, and I expect him to go on day two of the NFL draft still. Nothing's really changed there. Um, and frankly, there's still not enough for me to push a guy like Jalen Darden over him yet. Until I get the NFL um, draft to say we like Jalen Darden as much as you do, it's hard for me to put a, put him over a guy like Wallace. So uh, they're firmly in the same tier right now. We'll see how the draft shakes out, a guy that I really like. You want to move on to your number nine? Yeah, my uh, you said he was your 10 as well, correct? Correct. Yep, Sorry, I yep. missed that. Okay, yeah, my number nine, someone actually quite similar, Deami Brown, um, a little okay. taller, 6'1", yep. 189. Um, also kind of used similarly um, in college, he was an outside vertical threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was trying to find some differences here, and um, I think he's just slightly more athletic. He had a really good bench press. I feel like he's a little bit better after the catch. Um, I just don't think he was used underneath enough to really showcase that at UNC. Um, I think they could have schemed him better, maybe involve him in some more screen type games, some more Mm -hmm. catch and run type opportunities, but he's 79th percentile um, in vertical leaping. So um, at six one, I could see him, you know, getting up and getting the ball a little bit better than I would think Tylen Wallace would. Um, And quite frankly, I just liked him a little bit better on my film study without any real um, analytics to back that up. I just kind of liked his film a little better. So that's why I put him ahead of Wallace. No, but I I, I echo a lot of the sentiments you you said. I think you kind of skirted around it to some degree and saying they mismanaged him. Um, What I would say is he just ran a very narrow route tree. He ran goes, he ran posts, um, a couple in-breaking, you know, digs, slants, that type of stuff. Um, but you know, very few comebacks, very few out routes, uh, just not, not a very rounded profile in that regard. But the thing that I saw that I, I really like out of Diami is the ability to track the ball in the air as, you know, kind of get that late separation, find the ball, track it over either shoulder. Um, I really like him downfield. And I think, you know, to your point, I could, you couldn't find a lot to separate these two. The thing that, that pushes Diami 
over the top of Wallace or over the top of Amon Ross St. Brown is he's the one that I'm most confident um, can make it on the outside, could be the number one wide receiver for an offense. I think these other two guys are um, in a perfect scenario. And, and, you know, Chris Godwin is the number two asset in Tampa Bay. It doesn't hurt him from a fantasy standpoint. This shouldn't necessarily be an argument for why they can't be fantasy relevant, but I think both are best suited. Um, as number twos in in their offense. And so that was sort of, uh, but Diami, I think, has the most outside versatility. Indeed. Um, and I'd say Diami's kind of the start of the tier for me. Um, yep, me too. Something yep. like 9 to 12, 13 from our previous list. Diami would be at the, the king of that tier. So my next guy up um, belongs in a higher tier. Um, and I really wanted to move this guy up higher. I just like everyone ahead of him so much too, where I couldn't quite justify it. My number eight's Elijah Moore. And that's in no way an insult. I love Elijah Moore. Like I would, I, I just really love this top eight, man. I love all of them. I'm going to have plenty of Elijah Moore shares and I don't say an eight. It seems low, but, um, I'll be equally excited about everyone else on this list. So I, I don't want to dog him. Where did you have more? Uh, you're going to be surprised. I had him at five. Now I okay. have him in the I, same. I was close to doing something similar. I was yeah. really close. Yeah. I have him in the same tier as, uh, as who'd you have here again? I'm sorry. Uh, Elijah, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I have him in the same tier. I, I don't want to, sorry. I didn't want to give away my eight. So, uh, I have him in the same tier as my eight. Absolutely. Um, but I actually have him at the top of this tier and, you know, um, that's super, fair. Super that's productive. why we do tier base ranking. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I think the argument is, is a valid one essentially. Um, but you know, I guess what I will say about him is I think he's the most likely, uh, to, to be an outside threat. I just, I look at what he did against Alabama um, against, you know, probably the best team in the country in terms of secondary. Um, and to me, he just profiles as a guy that can pretty much do everything within an offense, can be the run and catch guy, can catch it out of the backfield, frankly, can do the screen stuff, but then is much better, I think, down the field than people are giving him credit for. Um, I was exceptionally impressed with Elijah Moore. Um, he was, uh, you know, one of the guys that I referenced that really shot up the most today. When I, I watched four games of him, I watched Florida, Bama, as I referenced, Mississippi State, and then Vanderbilt. Um, and as I'm sort of thinking this through, I know Vanderbilt kind of stands out as sort of a, uh, a lower-tiered opponent. And I remember that was the last game I watched. And it's I, I was kind of like licking my chops going into that game. Like, if he's as good as he looked against Bama, he's going to tear Vanderbilt the new one. And he, and he absolutely did. Um, I think he's an elite playmaker and, you know, the cop that I, that I kept, you know, couldn't get out of my head after it snuck in there was Stefan Diggs. I see that level separator. I see that level, um, just playmaker and just versatile player in general where you can he's play. He's so the- tough too, man. Yes, he's so the tough. toughest guy on this list. Probably, um, yep. for me, he's a little scheme, not scheme dependent, but I think, he can benefit greatly by a smart offensive coordinator and scheming him some um, some plays. Uh, I want to see more screen stuff, more, you know, like I was saying with Diami, get him the ball in open space. If you have to kind of cheat to do it, I think that's fine, and right. I think you'll win doing that. Yeah, and you mentioned on the kind of the front end of, of the show of guys being pigeonholed in the slot, and that's where – I really felt like Elijah Moore separated himself on a, on another level than kind of some of the guys we're going to talk about here coming up in a minute in terms of how much you can move him around formations. And that's what I love about Diggs so much. You look at uh, the variation in his, you know, statistical seasons from, I think it was 20, uh, 2018 to 2019, where one year he had 100-plus catches and it was all short, quick jerk routes, little quick underneath stuff. He proved he could do that, and then the next year was much more vertical, big plays. He scored a lot more touch, and I just I see that type of player from Elijah Moore. That whatever your offense needs, so I actually maybe see it the other way. I feel like he's very scheme friendly okay. in terms of um, if he goes to a team that already has that sort of big alpha, he can play the play that slot role. Um, but if if he goes to a team that already has you know somebody to to fill that role, he can play outside. I really. Um, I came away very impressed with Elijah Moore, and, and uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about him. I think he should probably go in the first round of the NFL draft, although I'm not quite sure he's going to. Should I get to my eight then? Well, real quick to close on Moore, yeah. eight's the lowest he'll be for me. He's he's 
moving up, if anything, for me. Sure. I, if he lands in a bad landing spot, I'm not dropping him below Diami. Uh, my my tier two, I guess, for this class is five through eight. So um, he could easily move up to five for me. Probably not any higher than that. Um, but in a juicy spot, he might top that tier at some point. Absolutely. All right. Well, then I'll dive right into number eight. I had Kadarius Tony. Where'd you have him? He was my next man up, number seven. Perfect. All right. Well, then let's talk about him. Uh, 5'11 and 5'8, 193. I think ran better and, you know, tested just in general better than sort of maybe the expectation was. Ran sub 4'4. Take that for what it's worth in this year's class. But a 40 inch broad or 40 inch vertical, 11 inch broad, I mean, tested out in the 96th percentile and burst. Uh, Three cone was really good. So you're looking at a dynamic athlete. And, you know, when I watch him, that's the thing that's most obvious is how different it looks when he moves and cuts. Is that sort of, I mean, before I let you in, the thing I'll say is in this tier of player, he got the highest tape grade for me, not named Elijah Moore. And I couldn't push him up based on some of the analytical profile based um, arguments that are out there for players. But I, I really, really like what I see on the field. Yeah, I love his film as well. Him and Moore for me, uh, Elijah Moore. Yep. Um, two guys I really want to be hot takey on and put <laughs> really high. I, I absolutely love Kadarius Tony, and, and kind of the thing that separated Moore for you was almost the thing that kind of separated Tony for me. I think he can play outside. He's a he little can. taller at six foot. And, dude, he's 40-inch vertical, so yeah. he can even play taller than that. Um, I, I, that wasn't really a huge part of his game at Florida, but I think it could be, I think he has, um, as much room or more to grow as a wide receiver than really anyone in this class. Pretty raw. He was a dual threat quarterback coming into college. Um, he, and the thing that the other thing that really impresses me is he, he is not a body catcher at all. Rarely drops the ball, gets his hands out there, makes strong catches, um, yeah, I mean, I, his route running definitely needs some work, but um, I think that's something that can be worked on. Um, catching the ball the right way with your hands, that's not always something players get better at. Um, right. I think the room for growth in his game is something that can easily um, be attainable. So I, I love Tony. Um, love him a lot. Yeah, and I really liked what you said about kind of not necessarily his mismanagement because I think he was used in the best possible way considering what else they had, but you got to give the context of what else they had. Trayvon Grimes is not a guy that made our top 20 list, but he is uh, literally my next guy up. I think he's a really good player. And in a lot of the ways, uh, Freddie Swain was very, you know, underrated last year coming out of four. They've had good players along with one of the best tight ends we've ever seen in college football. So they've got those players on the outside. They didn't need him to do that. Now that said, you watch the Alabama game. There is a vertical route in that game, I believe, against Sertan, but I could have that wrong. It might have been against uh, one of the nickel guys. Um, but a, a route where he takes it up the sideline. I mean, there is some outside receiver to him, some vertical receiver to him. But there's just a, a, a certain level of snap at the top of his route that is just it's unique and it sticks out. The, mo- the more I watch it, the more it sticks out to me. It's not one of those things that I've become numb to when I see him um, how quickly he can turn his body and, and sort of, uh, lean and then explode the other direction. It's just, it's a rare trade. And I think at his size, um, it it gives him a chance to be a special player at the next level. Um, so there is some context necessary to some of the, you know, college dominated breakout age stuff. You talked about the dual eligibility also had some, um, you know, off the field incidences early in his time at Florida. And I think the other thing that's worth saying about his time at Florida is, yes, he never hit some of these thresholds that we look for in terms of production early in his time at Florida. I remember when he was a, you know, freshman and sophomore being like, who's this number one that they put out there for 25% of the plays and just, you know, looks like a in, incredibly dynamic athlete. It's not like he just snuck up onto people's radars. He's been a part of this, you know, team and offense and a guy that's been interesting to, you know, people who are watching more than just production uh, for longer than just this year. So we are both, you know, I think people who support the Kadarius Tony um, skill set and, and the draft profile, despite some of the the red flags, I think he goes on early on day two and I'm excited to see it. 
Yeah, and to further expand on the breakout age metric in general, I'm yep. not even I'm not so sold on using it because it requires so much context for me. Yeah. Where you can always explain it away one way or the other. I think it's worth mentioning, but I think it seems like every time we bring this up, there's a reasonable explanation for why it didn't happen. It's it's a fair argument. Yeah, it's it's one of those deals where there's definitely a correlation between the number and and fantasy success. But is it one of those correlation or causation type deals? Um, I think it's worth pointing out because uh, the fantasy community cares about it. But you're right. It feels like anytime we have one of these situations, if you really dive into it and look at the context there, um, there's always sort of a reason for it. Um, So that was your number seven. Do you have anything you want to say on Tony before we move on? Uh, no, I think I got everything out of the way that I wanted to hit on. Um, so we're still waiting on your number seven, correct? Correct. Yep. So I think I'm going to surprise you a little bit on this one. I'm going to assume you have him a little bit higher. Terrace Marshall. He's five for me. Okay. Yeah. And that's where he was coming into today for me too. Um, on a tape rewatch, you know, and I think some of it's explainable, um, based on the season LSU had and just sort of the, um, the scenario surrounding it. Terrace obviously obviously played, I think, the first five games, if I'm not mistaken, before opting out of this season. Um, and it was pretty clear to me after that Mississippi State game, uh, he was uninterested in, in being there. I think, you know, you're coming off a national championship team and you lose that game early in the season. Um, he never looked the same to me. There is a serious lack of urgency of him getting off the line of scrimmage in his 2020 tape. Now I did go back to 2019 because I wanted to see, okay, in a real year where they're competing for the national championship, is this, do I still see this same loafer off the line that I saw in 2020? And it's definitely better. I think that, you know, um, he certainly played a little faster in 2019, but at the same time, I worry about him getting off the line of scrimmage a little bit. I think, there's a little bit of a lack of suddenness despite um, the good testing numbers uh, in terms of what I saw on the field. What what about him? Is it is it the size? I mean, what do you kind of talk about Terrace a little bit? Well, I'll be honest. I was really close to putting my six, seven, and eight all ahead of him. It mm-hmm. was either going to be one or it was either going to be all or none. And I decided to keep him there. Um, I, and I, I was probably wrong on this with my thinking. The four three eight forty at six three two zero five. I just yeah. couldn't look past that enough to to drop him. He's got. Um, as much potential of being a true alpha, um, it, to yes. use that term, of anyone really in this class. He was higher recruited than Justin Jefferson. He was higher recruited than a man we'll certainly talk about tonight, Jamar Chase. Um, and yes, he fell behind those guys, and that, I guess, is cause for some level of concern, but he's only 20 years old. Mm-hmm, um, yep. Great catch radius. Um, the speed, obviously, we talked about that. But I think he can do a little bit more after the catch even than a lot of the guys of his similar stature. Wouldn't shock me to see him as you know a top five wide receiver in the NFL at some point if he develops, if he can fill out his frame a little bit more and have the want to, the desire, all you know, the cliched stuff. I just I see a higher level of potential for him than the guys I have behind him. Um, is my level of confidence in him reaching that potential higher than the the next few guys right. on the list? Yeah. Probably not. So it's just trying to wait potential versus, you know, floor ceiling, I guess, kind of right. that that old debate. So for now, I have him five. But um, where I said more is only going to move up for me, I really don't think Marshall could move up. He, if anything, he's going to move down a little bit. So I think we're probably pretty similar in how we feel about him. Um, we just haven't quite shuffled out this order, and the draft will do a lot of that work for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I want to be clear about what I'm saying here in terms of the um, lack of urgency. There's a play in the Texas A&M game where he catches, a, I don't know, a skinny post or a dig. I don't know how you want to term it or phrase it. Um, but and he sees open field and you see the 4-4 athlete. I'm not saying he's not a good athlete. When he wants to be, he is. Uh, he's fast. He's explosive. I just, you know, you don't get to take seasons off. And I, I sort of, you know, um, I think he made a smart decision, frankly, on getting out of there when he when he did, because the tape would have only gotten worse, I, I feel, as as he'd have gone throughout the season. So I was just sort of disappointed in that in, in Terrace. And um, yeah, it's just it's something that that, you know, sort of raised alarms. But I think you're right in terms of the ceiling. He 
Um, of the guys that are in this tier for me, he has the highest ceiling pretty definitively. So um, that was my number seven. You had him at five. So we both knocked off our five as well as our seven. Who's your number six? Rondell Moore. Yep. Um, yeah, I assumed he was probably six for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, five, seven, 180. Um, not the, the largest gentleman, but <laughs> we talked about uh, crazy verticals for Kadarius Tony. Rondell Moore's even got him beat, 43-inch vertical. Frankly, that's just insane to me. Um, So the thing for Rondell Moore for me is I I think it's going to be really – I'm really dependent on creativity of play caller in a certain extent. I would – I'd be so tempted to use him as a running back and receiver. I feel like he could be Alvin Kamara if you wanted him to be. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's built that way, you know, low to the ground and and so physical um, at the tackle point. He he's really fun to watch with the ball in his hand or you know kick returns, punt returns, that type of thing. Um, yeah, in just in terms of burst and and you know, I think you're right. The the role versatility and the sort of the ways he can be used, I think, is more limited. Um, and therefore, you're right. He'll have to go to a play caller that knows what they're doing. Um, but I just think the playmaking ability is so high. I think that there is um, at least a pretty good floor, almost regardless of where he goes, just because I think any team is at least at the bare minimum going to know that we have to sort of get this guy the ball a few times every game um, in space. I think there's going to be a, a role for him pretty much right away. And um he was a hard eval. This was the hardest tier for me to um, sort of break up and, and break down. Um, I just feel like, you know, I had him basically in a dead tie with Elijah, but the, the edge for me again with, with Elijah versus Rondale is I just see him as a guy that can do more things for an NFL team where I think Rondale really, you talk about being pigeonholed to the slot. I think Rondale really is, you know, chained to that slot and that's who he's going to have to be. And, um, there's plenty of good fantasy receivers that make it in the slot, but you know, that's my biggest concern with him. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the five, seven, one eighty, it, it's a little scary, but one eighty for five, seven, that's actually pretty nice. It's just the five, seven, but right. dude, dude's lower body strength is next level. Um, and I got to imagine if a team's spending high draft capital on more, which you will have to do to get him, they're yep. going to, they're going to get him the, the damn ball as Keyshawn Johnson would say, <laughs> and he's going to do some pretty awesome things with it. So, um, I, I think his bust risk is very low, uh, unless he just gets drafted by some old school curmudgeon coach that can't figure out how to use them. Right. And I, I just can't see that happening. Yeah, I could never get it out of my head watching him live uh, just beat up on the Gophers uh, that this is the next Percy Harvin. And and that's a guy that Viking fans will remember fondly. Um, obviously, was derailed to some degree by injuries and, and sort of migraines and all the, the different things that go with it. I think he can be that level of player. And when, when Percy was healthy, he was a dominant fantasy asset. So um, we're looking at, I think, legitimately the best athlete pound for pound in the entire NFL draft here um, in Rondell Moore. He's scary, scary electric. Well, and it's kind of crazy. We're um, we're th- five. We're halfway done with our list, or a little over halfway, actually. Um, yep. And we're pretty much on the same boat. We didn't plan mm-hmm. this out at all. We have the same top ten, um, and we have the same tier here, basically five through eight. Uh, Marshall, the Moors, and Tony, um, yep. just in slightly different order. So we're kind of on the same page here. I like that. Yep, absolutely. Well, then, so you've got more at, or I've got more at five. You've got Marshall at, at five. Uh, should we move right into the number four then? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, for me, uh, a special guy in my heart, uh, Minnesota Gopher, Rashad Bateman. Um, where'd you have him? I actually had him at wide receiver three. So one spot okay. ahead of you. Um, and you know, I'll, I want to let you start in on, on Bateman cause I'll, I'll let you know why, but go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, six foot one ninety. Um, I just watching the odd gopher game here and there. He looks, he looked at least in college as a bigger receiver than that. He sure. always felt to me like a, a, like a true alpha outside guy, um, but man, I, I think he could do anything in an offense. He, I think yep. he can play outside. If a team wanted to use him as a slot receiver, you know, the bigger slot, if you will, I think he could absolutely do that. 
Um, the issues for or for Rashad for me, and the reason he was four, and I didn't have more of a grandiose take, is he has some drop issues. He had like a fourteen percent yep. drop rate in college, and that's gonna scare some people away. Um, I lived through the Jerry Judy drop issues <laughs> last year, and I don't quite enjoy having to listen to that every time a guy makes a drop and people want to dance on the grave, if you will. Right. But uh, drops and it, it, it matters to coaches. We saw Deontay Johnson basically lose a whole game last year because Tom yep. was fed up with drops. So, um, and like I said earlier, I don't think that's something that necessarily gets completely fixed. Um, so that is kind of a bigger concern for me than it may be for others, but everything else, I mean, his testing was unexpectedly awesome. I think people yep. were worried about the speed. He ran great sub four, four, um, yeah, I, I think he's awesome. I think he has good lateral um, movement skills. He had Division One college basketball offers for, for Christ's sure. sake. So he can do so many things physically. I think he's an outstanding prospect. It's just the drops that scare me. Yeah, and so I, I think you're going to have the same guy at, at three that I have at four. Um, what really separated for me on Bateman was um, just the production profile in general. And, you know, maybe that's alluding to who I've got next, but – um, ultimately Bateman has been successful since he was a freshman. He was an utter phenom. I think he holds the gopher record. In fact, I'm positive. He holds the gopher record for freshman receiving yards. He was better as a sophomore. In fact, you know, there's some similarities here actually between him and Terrace Marshall where the 2019 tape, uh, is significantly better. I think than the 2020 tape, the difference is, uh, Bateman still was super impactful, you know, um, and, you know, didn't look like a guy that, you know, had checked out on the season. I know he opted out on the season, same as, as uh, Marshall ended up doing. Um, but the Gophers were equally bad. And he looked like a guy that was out there um, fighting for his team every week. I, I really liked what I saw out of him on a second watch in terms of 2020. I know I was pretty critical on him earlier in one of the draft shows that we did in terms of the 2020 film um, rewatching it. You know, a lot of the problems I think were more on the Gophers offense than they were on Rashad Bateman. Um, he is just, he's a really physical player for his size. I know you mentioned six foot one ninety, a little smaller than maybe people were thinking, but I think, um, in terms of a route runner, I think he is, he's exceptionally good in that area. And you mentioned the drops, but I think he is a good ball tracker down the field. That was something that was, um, quite apparent early in his career and sort of, um, wasn't a part of the 2020 game plan. Let's, let's say he ran a lot more shallow and, and crossing routes this year. Um, as opposed to that vertical um, aspect that he was so good at early in his career. So, yeah, I have him at wide receiver three. I don't think we're saying significantly different things. Um, I think maybe what's determining this for you is perceived draft capital on the next guy. Um, and while I acknowledge that, I just, in terms of the type of player I want, I like Bateman a little bit better than I'll just, I'll go ahead and spoil it. Is it Jalen Waddle, the next guy on your list? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, um, what really broke the tie for me, and maybe it's a cop-out because, again, you can give context to this thing. Jalen Waddle obviously got hurt this year, um, so you, you can't really look at this year's production and, you know, knock him for that. He was actually more productive on a per-catch uh, basis than Devonta Smith was this year. Um, so I, I'm I'm a big fan of Jalen Waddle. I just, you know, um, in terms of, of the type of player that I'm looking for, I thought Bateman checked a, a few more boxes. Why don't you talk about what you liked a little bit better, um, for Waddle? Yeah, for me, um, Waddle, I was tempted to put him ahead of, um, Devonta Smith. Okay. Um, I think they both have one kind of glaring concern for Waddle that it was more the ankle injury, the late breakout. Um, yep. I mean, it's Alabama though. So I, like I said earlier, I, I can explain that one away. He was stuck behind a buttload of really good yeah. players. Yep. So not, that's not really a huge concern for me, but it is worth mentioning. Um, Waddle for me, I just, man, he's so twitchy. Uh, I, I yep. love the way he uses his hips at, you know, the line of scrimmage getting open. I think he's got really good body control. And I, I think he just has, um, the best upside of being a, an elite deep threat in this class. And he gets up to full speed, just so darn quick. Uh, just such an impressive athlete, um, from the tape that I've watched. I, I absolutely love him on film. Um, just as much, frankly, as I love Devonta Smith on film. 
Yeah, fair enough. And I've got nothing negative to say about him from a film standpoint. He makes tough, uh, similar to a lot of these smaller receivers we've seen in this class that um, despite five, nine and a half, 182 pounds, he goes up and makes contested catches. Just check the, um, I believe it was the Auburn tape where he just mosses two people in the end zone and comes down with it. Um, Watch the LSU game where he gets basically spun around in the wrong direction with by his face mask and he takes it to the to the house on a punt return uh he is a, an incredibly dynamic athlete um i don't worry about scheme fit for him at the next level um ultimately what this came down to is just some of the markers and, and just trusting the profile of rashad bateman a little bit more than jalen waddle and you know this is a film-based podcast i couldn't separate them on film i love the film of both of them so at a certain point i'm going to let some of that stuff break the ties for me um that said i'm not going to be discouraged if i end up getting a bunch of jalen waddle this year i i love him as a prospect um and i i don't necessarily disagree with you him and and the the next player i'm pretty sure both of us are going to talk about um, they're all in, in a tier for me as well. So um, this is a tier of three again, kind of the, the second tier behind the, the top guy for me. And um, maybe we should just get into the next name. Yeah, I should say real quick, I already do have a Jalen Waddell share. So I wanted to brag about that <laughs> in my w- one of my FFPC startups. Uh, they nice. had the rookies involved. So That's right, I, yeah. actually, I just traded for Rashad Bateman in that league, too. Someone offered <laughs> me Bateman for Chris Carson straight up. And I'm like, all oh, right, wow. I will do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a smash except somebody missed out on running backs, obviously, and, and panicked here. Let's let's make sure we set lineups and uh, yeah. What is it? April. I tend to forget the day and the you know month. So, uh, anywho, is it uh, Devonta Smith? I'm, I'm yeah, assuming that number to, two. Yeah. Sorry to sidetrack, but it no, is Devonta right. Smith. There is a part of me that wanted to be bold and make him my number one. Um, I just can't look over the the string bean of his six foot <laughs> one, one seventy frame. He had four years at Alabama. I'm sure in a world class weight room to try and get that body up. Um, to a more NFL standard, and it just didn't happen. So I think this is who he is. It is, um, yeah. But on film, he was better than Jamar Chase for me. I, I saw a guy that literally had everything you would want in a wide receiver, game-breaking uh, playmaking ability, uh, the best body control on adjusting to off-target throws that Correct. I saw in this class. Yep. Uh, and that was really the, the best marker for him for me. Um, I just see a guy that... Um, has this natural ability to make things happen. And I know that's a a, a kind of a cop-out answer when you're Mm. explaining something because um, it it doesn't really delve in analytics or what's uh, explainable. I just see a guy that can um, rise to the occasion pretty much whenever. Yeah, he makes every catch in every situation that that he's called upon. I just, I, I almost never see him drop a pass. Um, and that's including, you know, taking big hits over the middle. I think, you know, it, the 166, it is to some degree a limiting factor in this. And by the way, he did come in at 166 is the official weight we've now got okay. on, on Smith. So smaller even than the 170, I think we were all kind of like quoting before this. Sure. Um, it is to some degree a limiting factor. Again, we're look, we're, we're, you know, breaking ties we're we're parsing this thing by the the littlest detail and that is to some degree limiting in terms of of where he gets ranked for me that said you mentioned in terms of the film grade i have him dead tied with jamar chase they both got basically as high of a film grade as i can give um i you know um he's an exceptionally good player i think he's better after the catch than most people give him credit for yeah he's not a tackle breaker He's an angle breaker. He just he gets up to speed so fast with those long like gumby strides of his. Um, he beats angles and 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 goes around the corner in a way that you know um, even maybe Jalen Waddle doesn't necessarily do. Where he's looking to cut and he's making people miss and breaking tackles. Uh, Devonta Smith with just smooth easy speed just beats defenders and consistently with the ball in his hands. So. Um, I'm in love with Devonta Smith. Now, let me ask you this question. You have, you say you have a higher film grade on Smith than you do on chase. Are they in the same tier for you? Or is there a separation there because of I mean, And is it the size that's separating them or what, what is it? If not, 
Well, to be honest, I mean, we can kind of use this as our transition into Chase and right. just kind of talk about them both together. Because for me, they are in the same tier. Okay. And in a weird way, I have a little bit of size concerns with Jamar Chase as well. Because he, okay. I mean, it's not nearly as glaring, but um, at only six foot, I, I, I just don't think that's how he plays he plays like a big man and 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 is his game as translatable to the nfl that's a question i'll ask and also kind of answer in a way i think it is because you saw him up against so many nfl cornerbacks in 2019 if you watch his 2019 film at lsu you see aj trell cam dantzler um uh, diggs's brother uh Uh, and a both few others. OU, both of the OU corners are going to the NFL. He, play, he had played a really good game against Noah Igbenogany, mm-hmm. who was the first That's round right. pick for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, yeah, you saw him literally week in and week out get a NFL caliber player matched up against him. And he, um, I think the guy that did the best job is actually Diggs, who I still I still love. But Dantzler actually, I th- I thought That's had the right. best yes. game against him. So yes. good news for Vikings fans. Cam Dancer was really the only one I think that kept him like under a hundred yards. I thought Diggs yep. did well in that game, but Dancer was kind of the only one that shut him down. So, yep. uh, but yeah, otherwise I thought he handled NFL quality cornerbacks at an extremely high level. So I I think he can still kind of play the way he likes to play. But I'm just uh, a little concerned with uh, a six-two wingspanny, rangy corner, maybe uh, giving him a tougher time. But uh, you know, we'll find out. And, and it, I think he's as NFL ready as anyone on this list. Yep. Um, the teams will find a way for him to be successful. Um, he's he's so he breaks so many tackles. Uh, he's just got a natural ability to make plays. We saw that obviously in the national championship game for LSU. Um, I just, I, I think he's great. Um, and if he was six, two, he would be easily be number one for me, but I don't know. Yeah. And see, I think you hit on something that's interesting because it's not like Devonta Smith didn't see really good corn. I mean, they played a similar schedule on their way to the national championship. You can get good matchups with him too. I sure. think what's interesting in the film that I watched of the two comparatively is I think everybody's terrified of Devonta Smith because, Oh my gosh, what's he going to do when big physical corners come to press him? You know who I didn't see get pressed very often at at the college level? Devonta Smith. The Mm -hmm. teams almost never played it against him because he's so sudden with his release and so slippery that once he gets by you, you just are not going to catch up. Jamar Chase saw a lot of press coverage. And, you know, I think so. I think that is something worth saying at the next level is that. He's going to see it. That's how college teams tried to attack him. Um, And I think with varied levels of success, I think that's part of it is they want to challenge who they perceive to be one of these alphas and and sort of top dogs on the other team. But at the same time, he dealt with it very well. I would say he's really, really physical with his releases. Um, And I think the thing that Jamar Chase does on a level that is sort of rare in this class is that late separation Ball's in the air. It's at its apex. It's almost three quarters of the way there. He looks semi-covered. The guy's sort of in his back pocket. And then in that last instance, as the ball is, you know, getting to the um, getting to the receiver, he just pulls away by by a yard and a half, kind of late. Either with you know good you know hand technique in terms of keeping defenders' hands off of him right until the last second when he wants to sort of break away. Um, with balance in terms of being able to go high point the ball. I think a lot of the things that you're saying, I think are absolutely true in terms of the size and how he plays because he's not a massive player. But I think that's, you know, that reminds me of Devontae Adams a lot, frankly, in terms of not super big. I think Devontae's more like 6'1", but just in terms of he's so balanced when the ball is coming in that the other player is out of position and he's in position. He can go make these high point catches, um, really good after the catch. I think that's sort of who I see in Jamar Chase. And frankly, just like Devontae, I, th- I see a guy that you can move around the formation and sort of um, is very, very, very scheme um, independent. No matter where he lands in the NFL, uh, short of it really being Detroit, just because I think that's sort of just a bad landing spot in general for whoever the yeah. top pass catcher is. Um, short of that, I don't think that there's necessarily a bad spot for him to go. 
Yeah, I wonder if you asked like 10 casual NFL fans, probably non-Packer fans, how tall do you think Devontae Adams is? Like what range of answers you'd get? You'd probably get a lot of 6'4", 6'5", because he plays that way in a lot of situations. And I think you would probably get a similar range of answers for uh, Jamar Chase if uh, you asked people that weren't prospecting him like we are, because that's how he plays. Yeah, like you said, sorry, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is it's it's interesting. After you know the true height and the true weight and you go rewatch it, um, there's plays in late in the 2019 season where Joe Burrow, uh, I'm sorry, where Clyde Edwards-Hilar is hurt. Um, and they were sort of struggling to find a pass-catching third down back. Emery was good enough on first and second down to get him through. But in terms of third down, and they started lining up Jamar Chase in the backfield a bunch on third downs and even on just early passing downs. And when you see him back there standing next to Joe Burrow, it doesn't look like a big physical wide receiver standing next to a quarterback. It looks like a running back standing next to a quarterback. So it was funny kind of to look back on it now and go, oh, he doesn't actually look as big. He just really played so big that it changes the perception of how big he actually is. I think it's a positive marker, frankly, in my opinion. And it's part of why I love him so much is that he moves like a small, you know, he moves like if you wanted to cop him to Odell Beckham, I wouldn't have a problem with him. If you wanted to cop him to Des Bryant, I wouldn't have a problem with it. He's that, you know, varied in, in the different things he can do for you. Uh, how about this? Him comparative to uh, CeeDee Lamb or whoever your top wide receiver was last season. Um, how does he stack out? I think it was CD, wasn't it? Yeah, it was CD. Um, I'm trying to think about how I felt about Lamb last year, not how I feel even more galvanized about him now. I was going to um, say, you're pretty high on Lamb last year. I think no, I can, was. Yeah. And I, I think Lamb, if, if we were in a time machine and you just transported Chase into last year's draft class, I think CD Lamb still would have been my number one. Um, yeah, well, but it would have been close. Well, and I think especially if you add in, um, let's find out where Jamar Chase is going to go. I don't think it's going to be as good of a landing spot right. as the Dallas Cowboys was. That's um, true. So maybe that will be ultimately the tiebreaker. In terms of a, just a, a draft profile and what I've seen on film, I think I like Chase a teeny tiny bit better. Um, but, you know, I think similar things about CD, you could say, you know, but that we've said about Jamar Chase, you could say about CD Lamb. I don't think... What, what is he, six foot, almost six one, one ninety five? I mean, he plays much, much bigger. I think we're looking at very, very similar assets. And um, I think guys that are going to have early starts to their career that are very similar and, and just, you know, um, I'm in love with Jamar Chase. I'm, well, I'm a big fan. We're going to find out together which one of them we care about more in, in the league we co-manage because we drafted them both. We have a Jamar Chase share already right. as a tandem unit and C.D. Lamb's on that team, right? Did we get yep. Lamb too? So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be able to c- compare and contrast quite frequently. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that'll be uh, that'll be a heck of a lot of fun. And, and this draft is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Um, we are, geez, we're seven days away. It's it's almost hard to believe. Um it's going to be a big weekend. I'm I'm going to be diving into some of the other prospects, uh, not necessarily the fantasy guys this weekend, trying to do as much round out on, on sort of the rest of the class as I can. A lot of my energy, uh, especially recently in the last month, has been spent on let's knock out these dynasty guys. Let's try to right. you know really get this thing put together. But uh, I'm kind of excited this week to really sort of dive into that. I mean, I'm fairly well educated on the first, you know, 100, 150 names maybe, but um, it's going to be a fun weekend and just kind of find the NFL draft has so many fun stories. And I think that's really, um, aside from the fantasy aspect and just the spectacle of it all and the NFL and all that, I think some of the stories you hear on the draft and, and where these players come from, how varied of backgrounds they come. It just, uh, I get so excited for this time of year. I'm just, uh, I, I'm giddy. It's going to be a long week. Yeah, absolutely. I might take my fantasy hat off and uh, put my Vikings hat on for the next seven days and just really go. try and build my draft board for Rick Spielman in case he calls. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I'll, I might do a little bit of offensive lineman uh, film watching. Go. So I, I don't do much of that. Um, well, that's and, what we need. If you're taking yeah. the Vikings hat, that's that's what we need to find. And um, I hope they I hope they take the, your sage advice and, and go get some linemen because that's man that's we we've neglected it for too long. 
Well, I'm starting to worry that we might not get Kellen Mond in the third or fourth round. I saw a blurb today that he might even sneak into the first round. I've heard that. Well, it's sounding more and more likely. In fact, I think the Vegas uh, odds on quarterbacks in the first round jumped to five and a five and a half. So they're basically making the over-under on will a sixth go. And um, I've heard Kellen Mond. I've heard Davis Mills is, is bubbling up draft boards. Obviously, Kyle Trask is still... I guess semi in the mix. I, I I think it's becoming more and more likely that we're going to see a sixth quarterback go in the first round. Yeah, um, I know there's going to be a team that falls in love with Davis Mills's profile. I can almost guarantee he will surprise people with how early it goes. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if it's first round, but Davis Mills in round two, I think is I would bet on that. They're, yeah, they're all good values. I think if you can get them in in the second, or especially as we start getting into the third round, I I like all. I mean, in a normal year, you're not getting Davis Mills, Kyle Trask, or Kellen Mond type players at quarterback in the second round. I think in a normal year where there's not five already at the yeah, top, they get pushed into that round pretty right. easily. Like J- Jordan Love, compared right, a year ago compared to these guys. Um, which one would you have preferred? You know, f- like if you were drafting late first round, well, I like love a lot. I yeah, we were, liked we were different love. on him, yeah. I guess, but yeah, well, and I, I still frankly like love. I'm buying shares wherever I can, but, uh, we're meandering. I'm not quite sure where we're at on time, but, uh, I'll just say next week, we're going to be, have a lot of podcasts. We're going to for sure have one Thursday night after round one, for sure. Friday night after round two and three, we're sort of workshopping, uh, what we want to do for Saturday and Sunday, but we're also going to have a Monday pod. And it sounds like we're going to kind of just go a little bit free form with that. I know I want to um, talk a little bit maybe about some of the IDP guys that are coming up in this draft, but we're not really going to necessarily take a themed topic for the show. We're just going to, I think, just kind of talk NFL draft and and um, what we're burning on, kind of any of our last thoughts before we get it out, uh, before we get to the, uh, the final day here. And um, that's sort of the plan that I do all right there. Yeah, it was kind of my idea. Just yep. yeah, that's our next episode coming up on Monday. I I I kind of wanted to just give you a glimpse of what it's like when me and Josh just kick back and have a few beers and just uh, yeah. yammer on about football. So if it crashes and burns, you can blame me. But it, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a glimpse into our our normal sports talk debates, if you will. So it should be fun. Uh, I'm gonna try to come up with uh, a few questions for you that i will have you answer on the spot um but as far as prep for the show goes uh there isn't going to be much it'll just kind of go where it goes yeah sometimes you got to just wing it and just see what happens so i'm we're gonna have some fun with it we can talk football for pretty much hours without doing prep so uh mm-hmm. while it's important for for shows like this because uh nailing these talent evaluations is going to be the best thing that we can do for our listeners for fantasy managers that's where you get the leg up certainly there's game theory that comes into dynasty and there's all kinds of things that come trading and all there's a lot that goes into it. talent evaluation is a big portion of this though um and we we really thank you for for sticking with us because uh i'm having fun doing this and I, i hope people are having fun listening to us yeah, absolutely. Um, I am having a blast. I feel like it's making me a better fantasy manager same. every week, and hopefully we're providing that same level of uh, leveling up for you guys. Uh, appreciate you guys being with us. Um, give us a rate, a review, share us with your friends. We'd love to get into more people's headsets. So, yeah, uh, thanks for being along for the ride, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys again shortly. Absolutely. We'll see you on Monday for Draft Week, baby. Hell yeah. Peace out, everybody. Later. Bye.